The Pastor's Heart and Dominic Steele here and thanks for joining us and look next week on The Pastor's Heart we're talking to Dr Claire Smith. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, the senior pastor and the whole issue of abortion. Uh, the week after that we have um, Tony Wright and uh, Sam Hilton coming in and we're going to be having really a, a debate or a discussion about methods of evangelism and the whole issue of one-to-one versus the course in evangelistic methods. But today we're talking the Gospel Coalition and the new president of the Gospel Coalition International, Julius Kim. Thanks very much for coming in. Thank you for having me, Dominic. Ten days in the job. That's right. <laughs> and, and your first thing you do as the new president of the Gospel Coalition is come to Sydney, Australia. Indeed, what a blessing. <laughs> That's right. You've been speaking at a number of things. Tell us Correct. about that. Yes, I was invited actually last year prior to this new role to come to Australia under the um, invitation of a good friend, a pastor of Living Hope Community Church here in Sydney and did a couple of uh, pastors training during the day and then speaking in the evening at a three-day conference mm -hmm. uh, there in the, in the city and then preaching at the church. So just been delighted uh, to come to this beautiful city mm. and country and, and enjoy being with God's people here. Hey, can I ask you, sure. are you more Korean or American? Yes, that's the best <laughs> way of saying it. Uh, it's, hard to, it's hard to say because I think who I am is really a, an amalgamation of mm -hmm. really both. Mm -hmm. um, and I, and I, and at some point in my life, that was really difficult, to be honest. Mm -hmm. uh, even as I was trying to answer that question, am I Korean, am I American? What does it mean to be a hyphenated person? Mm -hmm. Korean hyphen And it was American. a bit of a big deal growing up as a teenager. I it was. It was actually quite challenging in many ways. Mm -hmm. I mean, looking back as a Korean American, not feeling like I belonged in either community. Mm -hmm. uh, because I, I didn't live in Korea anymore, so I wasn't really Korean. And even though I was American, spoke the language, went to its schools, I always felt like an outsider, mm -hmm. marginalized, uh, because of the way I look. Mm -hmm. And went through a period of even, even what some would call a self-hatred, mm -hmm. looking at the mirror and just praying and being angry at God for making me the way I am. Mm -hmm. Uh, but now, all that experience, I think, has really helped shape me in understanding my own identity. First and foremost, as a Christian, that because of my, my union with Christ and God as my Father, uh, it's really helped me grasp the importance of my, my citizenship in heaven and not so much in the country of Korea or the country of America. Feeling like an exile in both those places. That's right. And I think that could actually be a good thing. And, I, and I've shared this with others that... Um, Feeling like a pilgrim could actually be a good thing because it reminds me of, of that the, the struggles and the trials that we have in this life are really temporary in mm -hmm. that God does everything for a purpose. He's sovereign and he's good. That everything we go through is, is to help us become more like Christ. And, and that's why, frankly, I'm so excited at this, about this job, about this new opportunity to serve God through the Gospel Coalition because it helps me on the one hand. Be sympathetic for those who are on the margins, mm -hmm. who've never felt like they've belonged. But also, because I don't belong to either country or organization or culture, what have you, I can be perhaps a little bit more bold and courageous to speak the truth in love and mm -hmm. be prophetic to this generation that sometimes doesn't recognize that we belong to another world, to another to another king. Well, I just reckon it's awesome having an Asian face well, in the thank Gospel you. Coalition. <laughs> thank you very much. Um, now, tell us, um, uh, I mean... I became a Christian, 1986 January. Don Carson was one of the main speakers on the platform. Mm -hmm. I'd, I just thought he was amazing, mm -hmm. and I never actually expected to meet him. Mm -hmm. You've got to meet him. And then how did that conversation happen where he said, Julius, I've been doing this job. I wonder if you could do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't exactly like that. But Don and I actually first met 
when I was doing my doctoral work at, at Trinity in Chicago. And although what I was, was the doctrine in, in historical theology. Right. And so I worked with John Woodbridge on the Church of England, 17th century, early modern English history, on the origins of the Enlightenment. And uh, so, and through that time, three years at Trinity in Chicago, I got to meet, uh, at that time it would be Dr. Carson, mm -hmm. um, and uh, really became uh, so thankful for not only taking his classes, but for his fidelity to the scriptures and his real evangelistic heart that mm -hmm. he has. Mm. And then, you know, fast forward, he even helped me as I was trying to decide what I was going to do after uh, my doctoral studies and in God's grace, I got offered a position to, to be on the faculty of Westminster, California, where I've been now for, this is my 20th year. Um, a little sad that this is going to be the end of that stage of my life as I now move into a full-time role this summer. But So what's yeah. it going to look like, yeah. you president of the Gospel Coalition, and actually, what is the Gospel Coalition? Yeah. <laughs> I'll try to answer both at the same time. Uh, um, the Gospel Coalition is an organization that exists to help renew the faith of Christians and reform the ministry of churches all over the world around the gospel. Mm -hmm. And that we can actually work beyond denominations together as a coalition of like-minded churches in the Reformed tradition to help Christians be faithful to the scriptures and be missional to the mm -hmm. world. And so we provide resources uh, on our internet. I, last time I checked... Uh, there are, in 2019 alone, there's, I think, over 30 million users on our website, mm -hmm. and it's growing. It's huge. It's growing all over, and it's just so thankful for the opportunities the Lord has given to us to be a blessing to Christians and mm. churches around the world. And I think what makes it so special, frankly, is two things. It's, it's really in the name. Mm -hmm. it's, it's really around the gospel, and that while, you know, as a Presbyterian, I have certain convictions uh, about issues but that doesn't keep me from partnering and working with brothers from different denominations mm. around the gospel, the centrality of the gospel, etc. And it's a coalition, meaning there's pastors and leaders and churches from all over the world that desire to work together for this common purpose of renewing the faith of Christians and reforming the ministry of our churches around the gospel. And, mm. um, and so to see that kind of true ecumenical heart the heartbeat of, of the Gospel Coalition is that ecumenical desire to be faithful to the scriptures and to the gospel and, and actually do it together. Mm -hmm. And if there's anything this world needs now are Christians to, frankly, love one another and show that we can actually work together in, a, in an age that sometimes can be so partisan. How do you do ecumenism mm -hmm. without watering down truth? Yeah. Because so often when you hear ecumenism as a word or ecumenical as a word, you think, well, I give up, what key truth am I going to have to give up sure. to even engage in this conversation? Sure. I think clarity around the non-negotiables, I think, is important. I mean, even a cursory look at history, at the ecumenical movements of the 20th century, that's where, for example, like the World Council of Churches, depending on your perspective, mm -hmm. may have changed from their original intent and goal to really work together for the sake of a common biblical purpose. Uh, but it I look, changed. At them, I look at them and I think they're hopeless. Really? Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you're saying maybe once they, they're, the intentions were right. I, I do. I do. I think, for example, if you see, for example, some of the statements that have come out from the World Council of Churches from early to late, mm -hmm. even on the areas of missions and evangelism, yep. you actually see a shifting of language, shifting of focus. A losing of the gospel. That's right. And I think for us at the Gospel Coalition, and as, as one who's now going to step into this role of leadership, is... We're not going to budge on the, on the non-negotiables mm -hmm. of the trustworthiness of Scripture, but also the centrality of Christ and the gospel. Mm -hmm. Everything else, really. And I'll, 
is perhaps secondary and tertiary, mm -hmm. and that we could have disagreements over that mm -hmm. with charity. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how, how I would try to describe good ecumenical partnership, is mm -hmm. clarity around the non-negotiables and charity over things that we can disagree with. And how do you define a non-negotiable? Yeah, that's a great question. I think scripture itself provides non-negotiable truths mm -hmm. that define, the, for example, the marks of the church. Mm -hmm. And in history, uh, people and scholars and pastors have articulated very carefully, I think, what are the true marks of the church. And I think we don't have to reinvent the wheel to try to figure out what are the non-negotiables, because I think our denominations, especially those in the Reformed evangelical tradition, mm -hmm. are, have been pretty clear mm -hmm. on issues really that come out of the Reformation. So those within the Reformed tradition, you know, the inerrancy of Scripture, sola scriptura, mm -hmm. uh, the work of Christ and Him alone, grace alone, and Christ alone, mm -hmm. faith alone, for the glory of God alone. I think those are some of the non-negotiables mm -hmm. that we will not budge on. Um, especially those things that we believe that the scriptures themselves don't budge on. Mm -hmm. And so clarity on those non-negotiables, but pretty much charity and everything else. Mm. Yeah. Um, and yet, I look at evangelicalism today, and in one sense it's felt never more fractured. Mm. You know? mm. Can you give us a bit of a, an overview of the evangelical world from your chair as you mm. look at it today? Mm. Yeah, it's, it's uh, you know. I imagine you're scratching your head about this. <laughs> I'm, this is something we continue to, to wrestle with, to try to discern. And I think that's one of the goals of, of Gospel Coalition, is trying to discern what are the issues that are dividing the church today. And unfortunately, um, there are a lot of things uh, that are dividing the church today, least of which is uh, perhaps expressive individualism, uh, mm -hmm. the rise of, continued rise of secularism and humanism, etc. And um, a lack of trust in the authority of scripture, for example. Mm -hmm. And I think those are the things that I think could really hurt the church moving forward. And that as, as an organization that exists to help Christians and churches remain faithful to the scriptures and to the gospel, what can we do in light of this unique context of problems that we see to provide resources to really help Christians to remain faithful to churches to remain fruitful in what they do. Well, you just mentioned three pillars, mm -hmm. the expressive individual. Do you want to just drill down <laughs> under each of those three? Yeah. yeah. And, and so what are the dangers under each of those three? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a longer conversation, but I think more than ever before, uh, expressive individualism, where religion has become really privatized, mm -hmm. where it's really what I believe versus what you believe, and as long as you give me the, the freedom and the tolerance to let me choose what I do, uh, we'll, we'll have a happy world. And what's unfortunate is they have a really bad anthropology. Mm -hmm. uh, because of sin and sin's effects, left to ourselves, my own private, individualistic sense of morality and, and religion and what's right in this world is going to lead us all astray. Mm -hmm. And I think that's nothing new under the sun, essentially. That's really been the problem since Adam and Eve mm -hmm. wanting to turn their back on God and reject mm -hmm. God's reign and rule over their lives and saying, you know what, I'm going to do it my way. Mm. And what, we've, what we're seeing now is that type of individualistic spirit and rebellion coming to a full four and, and, and having its impact on issues such as your own personal identity, sexual identity, etc. And so this kind of expressive individualism and the privatization of religion, I think, creates problems. And I think the, really the only solution to that is actually not looking inward, but looking outward. Uh, to alien righteousness, that's one, one way of saying mm. it, right? To, to Christ and the gospel. And so actually the gospel is really the only solution 
uh, to the radical individualism, the radical privatization of religion, what we call spirituality, um, and, and perhaps the Gospel Coalition could help the church and help Christians uh, see the gospel in all of its simplicity but profundity as really providing the only solution for this very fractured world. You're with us on The Pastor's Heart. My guest is Julius Kim. We'll be back with him in just a moment. Introducing God is a course that walks through the worldview of the Bible. It's a chance to explore and discuss what it says about life and God and what it means to have a relationship with Him. And it happens in a relaxed and friendly environment. It's for a range of people. If you've never read the Bible, if you've never gone to church, it's for you. If you haven't been to church in years and you're looking to reconnect with your faith, it's for you. If you're wanting to discuss ideas and hear different opinions, or if you just want to sit back and and take it in. If you want to consider what it could look like for you to know God, it's for you. I was raised Catholic um, and at some point I think I had the disposition that you know just because you go to a garage doesn't mean you're a mechanic just like going to church doesn't mean you know you're a Catholic or in that case so I stopped going. God was very distant from where I was. Um, He didn't seem feel close but I didn't really uh, have a very good picture of who God was. An introducing God evening is always really warm and friendly. You can have a glass of wine and relax conversation over dinner. You watch a short video together and then there's a chance to discuss some of the things it says over dessert and bounce ideas around. No question is off limits. It's an open discussion where you're free to be honest and say what you really think. This happens over a series of seven or so weeks and there's time to really dig into ideas and allow for them to simmer and be explored more fully as the weeks go on. And I think coming to introducing God with a healthy level of skepticism, um, not to the point where you actually can't, you know, accept uh, certain things, like um, that helped me actually open my heart just a little bit, you know, to the possibility that, you know, God loves me and that He actually wants to know, well, He already knows me, but there's a chance for me to know Him. I remember on the first day, I was actually quite quiet, like I didn't want to impose any sort of question. I was actually quite nervous um, and just listening. I think that was the biggest thing that I wanted to do. It's casual. Everybody's really like, you know, friendly and loving. Um, It's a very safe environment to voice any sort of um, disagreements you have. Like, I mean, when I mean any, I mean any. You really are made to think for yourself. Because I think a lot of people, they're told what to think, but when you're told, you know, what do you think? Then you, you suddenly have to think. <laughs> At some point, it became the best, like the day that I look forward to most during my week. It'd be great to have you along to our next course. Bring yourself, bring a friend, come make some new friends and be introduced to God. You're with us on The Pastor's Heart, and my guest is Julius Kim. We're talking to him. He's the new president of the Gospel Coalition. Uh, now, Julius, um, we're talking fractured Christianity, mm. and um, and again, looking at 
the evangelical scene, and particularly the evangelical scene in the United States, mm -hmm. and, and really the Gospel Coalition has become a de facto spokesman for evangelicals. Mm. And there's a, the whole thing about right-wing politics and mm. the link to evangelicalism. And mm. those of us in Australia, we just scratch our heads looking mm. at you guys thinking, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> and we actually, I scratch my head too, so, <laughs> so I don't think we're that doing? far apart. <laughs> yeah. Well, first, I just want to, I just want to state, uh, I'm not sure if we speak for all evangelicalism and actually that's, I'm not sure if that would be even our intention or goal. I, I really do think we want to be faithful in supporting the church and mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's who Christ died for. Christ mm -hmm. died for the church, not for a parachurch like mm. TGC. Nonetheless, uh, God has given us this opportunity to support mm. the local church, and mm. wherever she may be found. And insofar as we can help support the church and resource the church, because of the unique collection of individuals that are, make up the Gospel Coalition, we find that to be an incredible privilege and an honor, but also a, a responsibility mm. that we have. And so that's the first thing I would say. Secondly, in terms of the... The, the fractured nature of evangelicalism, especially as it relates to the political scene. Mm. 2016, it seems, changed everything. Mm -hmm. With the election of the president in 2016, it's created a very, it's a new world mm. in many ways. Mm. And, and frankly, I think even as an evangelical leader, as a pastor myself, as a father, trying to make sense of it is, is quite difficult. Mm. But I do know that some of the negative repercussions of 2016 and its election uh, is being felt even within our churches today, mm. where even brothers and sisters in the church are divided yeah. over how to make sense of politics and political policies and who we should follow, who we should not follow, etc. And so my first sense, my first impulse in a situation like that is to make sure we major on the majors and minor on the minors. And the church's role ultimately is a spiritual role and not a political mm -hmm. one. That was the first thing I would say, the, that Christ died for the church and the church, church's role is to help, help, the, uh, help maintain and, and, and carry forward the great commission of Jesus and to disciple, make disciples of mm -hmm. all nations. And that's really the priority. However, we also need to disciple and help our members mm. make godly biblical decisions as it relates to their citizenship in the world, mm -hmm. whether that's America or Australia, mm. what have you. And in doing so, I think, again, I think we have to start with the scriptures and say, what should the Christian's relationship be to the state? Mm. And that's a complicated one. Mm -hmm. and, in, and at the same time, how can we also be a witness to the world, to the watching world, as Christians engage not only with one another mm -hmm. on topics with which they debate, but also with the watching world? And uh, so those are some of the initial things I would say in talking about uh, the, re re the relationship between Christian Christianity and politics, but uh, it definitely is a challenging place, and I'm not exactly sure how the, the Gospel Coalition will speak into that, but I do know that uh, that's part of our responsibility and privilege to do so, but I would do so very carefully, mm. very wisely, and frankly, to speak slowly yeah. and to listen carefully. Yeah. I mean, where we sit at the moment, mm -hmm. where we're sitting at the moment, in the inner city of Sydney, mm -hmm. in, in one of the most left-wing electorates you know, ah. of Australia. Is that right? Um, I, as a pastor, play a straight bat of just saying what the scriptures say mm. and pretty much staying away from domestic politics, mm -hmm. you know, um, unless I can find a verse that actually mm -hmm. really ties me mm -hmm. to, to an issue. Um, and yet I find, I look over at some of you American pastors <laughs> saying the most extraordinary right-wing things that, yes. that actually make 
our task of preaching Christ here yes. more difficult. Yes, yes. And I also would be very nervous like you when I hear pastors, especially from the pulpit, yeah. discussing political, situa- political issues in which, frankly, I don't think they should be doing. Because oftentimes, let me just give you an example. Mm. If, if a pastor begins to talk about public policy yeah. from the pulpit, they're what? kind of baptizing it as the word that's of God. Right. That's right. Almost kind of saying this is coming from the scriptures. That's right, and, uh, and it can unnecessarily bind the consciences of his parishioners, mm. his members of the church, and and I don't think that's right personally. Um, however, where the scriptures are very clear, I think it's incumbent upon us, yeah. insofar as the scriptures lead us and guide us to speak prophetically to a world that's mm. morally decadent. Mm. So, how do we pursue? the righteousness and the holiness of God in our world mm. in a way that's appropriate, measured, proportionate, but also wise, charitable, and compassionate. Because these are not easy issues. And mm. so I tend to err on the side of let's be careful what we say mm-hmm. from our pulpits. In fact, probably best not to say political mm-hmm. things from the pulpit, uh, but at the same time not shy away from our responsibility to speak prophetically to our culture. What difference do you think the Gospel Coalition has meant in the US Christian scene in Hmm. bringing people across denominations together? What have been some of the blessings? What could be some of the blessings for the Australian Christian scene? Yeah, yeah. Again, I'm I'm limited because my my experience and exposure with the Gospel Coalition is fairly, has been around only five years. So I've served on the council of the Gospel Coalition in America for the last five and then have just been in this role for only 10 days. Mm. And so I want to be... (laughs) Well, we want you to be the complete expert. (laughs) So with that caveat, with that caveat and disclaimer, I would say one of the, to me, one of the strengths and beauty of the Gospel Coalition is this coalition of like-minded pastors crossing denominational bounds for the sake of something bigger than ourselves. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes when we get caught in our own churches or denominations, we tend to be somewhat insular, and we do a lot of navel-gazing, and we fail to see that there's a bigger world with a lot of issues that uh, we can actually together uh, provide some solutions for. So there's, I think as I've seen the Gospel Coalition over the last five years at least, I've been really thankful to the Lord for the ways in which men and, and women and children and churches that normally wouldn't work together mm-hmm. for a common kingdom goal are actually doing, doing that. It. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And it's, for me, it's actually an answer to a prayer that I've always had. Namely, when I read John 17, mm-hmm. Jesus' high priestly prayer. And in it, he prays to his father, Lord, I pray that the church would be one. My guess is that this side of glory, the church will never be one in the way perhaps we would like it to be. Nonetheless. Well, we, we want Rome to repent. For yeah, sometimes. that too. <laughs> that too. But um, even among Reformed evangelicals. Yeah. Evangelicals in the Reformed tradition, could it be that while we may still belong to our own denominations, could it be that the Gospel Coalition could be a space where we can work together for common kingdom goals and to show the world that we can work together in unity, even though there's some diversity, that there's things that there are really important things that unify us around the Gospel, mm. around the Scriptures, and around helping people see the beauty of Jesus that much more. And so, for me, that's one of the things that excite me most about the Gospel Coalition is this, this opportunity to somehow advance and bring to fruition Jesus' high priestly prayer of unity, even among diversity. Mm. And so that's, that's what excites me. 
Julius, thanks so much for yeah. coming in. Thanks for coming to Australia. And uh, it's been great to have you here to talk to us. And we're very excited and look forward to seeing what God will do through the Gospel Coalition under your leadership. Thank you very much, Dominic. Julius Kim has been my guest on The Pastor's Heart, and he, of course, the new president of 10 Days of the Gospel <laughs> Coalition. We'll see you next week. Hey, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, we would love it if you could hop over to the Apple Podcasts app and give us a rating and review. That helps us in the rankings and lets other people discover the pastor's heart. And again, if you are able to help us out by being a financial partner, go to our Patreon link, patreon.com slash the pastor's heart.